Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. The soul of man is infinite in what it covets. The list goes on and on and on. God said, I want to get to the heart of the matter. God wants to do heart surgery on us. He's not just interested that we outwardly observe His commandments. No, no. He wants to walk in the corridor of your heart and my heart. He wants our heart to be right with Him. That's what He looks at. What is the point of the Ten Commandments, really? We already know that there's no way we as fallible humans can live up to the standard that has been set. Pastor Ed today gives us a unique perspective on these instructions. God's intention was to have us open our hearts to Him, to let Him have access to those parts of our lives that don't quite reach the standard. Jesus took care of the need to fulfill the rules when He died on the cross, and with His help, we can also walk in the righteous life laid out for us in the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the book of Exodus for part one of his message entitled, The Tenth Commandment. The Ten Commandments speak to us of the heart of God. They speak to us of God's law given to us to bring order to our lives. The first commandment and the last commandment, the first and the tenth, are like bookends. And the first one tells us that everything is built on it. God comes first. If there's a right relationship with God, everything else falls into place. Uh, The last commandment tells us that God is not only concerned about our outward actions, but our inward motives, what we think, the condition of our hearts. So as we turn to the book of Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 17th verse, and as we read this last commandment, it's God saying to us that your life is not only about what people see on the outside, it's what's on the inside. Someone can look at you and say, my, you're a fine Christian. You're a good person. But inside, things can be all wrong. And you can be out of harmony with God. God said, I'm concerned not only with outward appearances, but with inward, the inward condition of your heart. Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It is difficult, extremely difficult to live this commandment. You might say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. I'm doing okay there. Maybe I haven't committed adultery. I'm doing all right there. I haven't, well, lied too much. I'm okay there. This commandment nails you to the wall because it deals with our hearts. It deals with what God sees on the inside. One pastor made this confession. He says, I belong to the cult of the next thing. It's dangerously easy to get enlisted in it. 
It happens by default, not by choosing the cult, but by failing to resist it. The cult of the next thing is consumerism cast in religious terms. It has its own litany of sacred words. More, you deserve it, new, faster, cleaner, brighter. It has its own deep-rooted liturgy. Charge it. Instant credit. No down payment. Deferred payment. No interest for three months. It has its own preachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. Admin, pitchmen, and celebrity sponsors. It has, of course, its own shrines, chapels, temples, meccas, malls, superstores, club warehouses. It has its own sacraments, credit and debit cards, its own ecstatic experience, the spending spree, the cult of the next thing central message proclaims, crave and spend, for the kingdom of stuff is here. We live in a culture that tells us that our life is measured by what we can gather around us, by the degrees we obtain, the possessions we possess, the wealth we have. We live in a culture that violates and thrives and has built on the violation of the Tenth Commandment. And it is hard as believers, as Christians, not to fall into the snare and the trap of breaking the Tenth Commandment over and over again. Ron Sider wrote, We have become ensnared in an unprecedented material luxury. Advertising constantly convinces us that what we really need, one unnecessary luxury after another. The standard of living is the god of the 20, 20th century Westerner, and the ad man is his prophet. Constantly we're told that our life will be better, that meaning will come into our life. Purpose is if we just have one more thing, if we buy the newest gadget, if we acquire the newest technological gadget. What God does is he pushes aside all the outward things And he says, what I'm looking at is your heart. What's going on on the inside. We pray, Lord, cleanse me from secret sin. This is what the Tenth Commandment deals with. Secret sin. That sin that is not obvious, not outward, but inward, and eventually, though, it seeps out into our life, and it becomes an outward expression of what's on the inside. Hebrews 4.13 is a searching scripture. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God is not satisfied with outward external religion. He's not satisfied with mere Phariseeism. 
the outward keeping of the law. He looks at the core of who we are. He looks into the very heart of every believer. And that's what this commandment addresses. I want you to see the description of what covetousness is all about. In Ephesians 5, 5, it says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater. See, to be covetous, to be a coveter, you are violating the God's commandment. You are making an idol. Greed is idolatry, the Bible tells us. Uh, when you violate this commandment, you're really violating the spirit of the other commandments as well. We begin to covet and say, I want to be first in my life. And so we push God off of his throne. Uh, we say to God, God, uh, I want to use my days the way I want to use it. And suddenly we use the Sabbath in a way that dishonors him person can commit adultery in their hearts. They can be a murderer in their hearts. They can be a thief in their heart. God walks the pathway into your heart and looks what's there. That's what God is concerned about, not merely outward appearances. What's the explanation? What does this mean? In Deuteronomy, it says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't set your desire on your neighbor's house or land or manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, that Hebrew word covet means desire, to crave, to want, to long for, to thirst for, to yearn for, to lust after. Now, that word can be legitimate or illegitimate. It can be it's really a neutral word. It can be good or bad because Paul says desire or covet earnestly the best gift, the gift of love. So it's a strong desire. What coveting is, is desire on fire out of control. It's wanting more and more and more and pulling down the fences of God's commandment and walking over them. God says don't covet. Well, the idea of hankering after something. That's the way one writer put it. The hanker after something. To just inside, want it, think about it, and dwell on it. Now, to the core, to the bone, you and I are sinners. And we have to constantly live at Calvary's cross. Be placed under the blood of the Lamb of God and die daily, even as Paul the Apostle tells us. Let me give you not only an explanation, but some examples to help. Go back to the perfect environment where he had absolutely everything. It was paradise, literally so. But yet, covetousness comes into her heart. In verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable, that's the same word, desire, covetousness, she coveted. What happened was Eve 
allowed Satan to tempt her and sin was birthed in her heart through covetousness. She began the long look, desire, and then she took of the fruit and the curse came on all mankind, all humankind. It starts in the heart. That's what God is saying, that sin starts in the heart and that's where he wants it to stop before it takes root, before it takes over. Another illustration is in Joshua 7.21. A man by the name of Achan. He's in the army of Israel and they're taking the land. And God said, don't take this plunder from the city. Uh, Don't take this plunder from Jericho. But he takes it. And in verse 21 it says, when I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon... 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them, took them, hid them in the ground in my tent. Those words are descriptive. You could feel the desire, the lust that Achan had in his heart. He even knew the weight of those gold wedges. You could see him looking at that beautiful Babylonian garment. That's what coveting is. It's thinking, dwelling, reaching out in our heart and taking something that God says don't take. Now, we could covet people's possessions. We could covet people. We could covet a position, accomplishments, even spirituality. Covetousness is a sin that comes earliest into the human heart and is the last and most difficult to be driven out. The soul of man is infinite in what it covets. The list goes on and on and on. God said, I want to get to the heart of the matter. God wants to do heart surgery on us. He's not just interested that We outwardly observe his commandments. No, no. He wants to walk in the corridor of your heart and my heart. He wants our heart to be right with him. That's what he looks at. You see in the description, look at the destructive nature of covetousness. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 7. He tells us how men become corrupt. Is it the outward culture that we live in? Well, that doesn't help us. Bombarded constantly by temptation to be covetous. Bombarded constantly to want more and more of what we already have enough of. Jesus looks at the heart and he says, For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting. All of these things come from within. They defile a person. What God is saying in his word, he doesn't want us defiled. These things will impact us in every way in our lives. We think in America that if we equalize the wealth, everybody will be okay. Mm, I'm for trying to stamp out poverty. I'm for trying to reach out and lift people up out of their plight. But that will not create what some believe. Some believe that if we are all wealthy, that there will be goodwill 
to all men. No, that only comes when the Savior reigns in the heart. You could put a person in paradise and they could covet and not be satisfied. Uh, the rich could covet from the poor. Yeah, doesn't matter how much you have doesn't stop you from coveting. Uh, just go back into the Old Testament. There's King Ahab. He has lands and properties. And uh, there's Naboth, who has a piece of land attached to his. They're adjacent. They're connected. Small little garden. It's been in the family for generations. And Ahab offers him a good price. But Naboth said, no, this is my ancestral home And Ahab, the king, with lands and treasures, goes home sullen and angry and despondent and puts on a tantrum. No, no, no. What you have outwardly doesn't stop you from coveting. You could have nothing and you could have everything. It's the heart that has to be changed. Uh, Life in America. I was talking to Sister D yesterday. She was at someone's birthday party, and they were born in 1924. And she said, Pastor, do you know what the average age lifespan was back in 1924? I said, no. She said, 54. And I looked at Sister D. I said, will you all be gone then <laughs> at that table I was there? But today it's in the late 70s. Years ago, a woman would try some generations ago, she would try and bear 10 children so that she might be able to raise two. Infant mortality was so great. We are the wealthiest, the richest nation in the world. We have more than any other generation has had. But yet we are not satisfied. We've bought into the lie of the American dream. Back in medieval times, A woman might have one dress for her whole lifetime. Today, our teenage girls have a dress. And when it goes out of style in six months from now, they get rid of it. We have so much more than all those previous generations. Yet, we want more and more and more and more. We're filling our attics We're filling our basements. We're filling our garages. But we're never satisfied. Because we've created an appetite of covetousness. And that is never satisfied. It's desire on fire. You see it in its relationship with others. It impacts our relationship with people. In James chapter 4, it says... And he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking to believers in that first century. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. Are arguments and disputes and conflicts in families, at the work or in often become a part because of coveting. Uh, Go back to the most spiritual family you can find. I mean, they're all used by God. It's found in Numbers chapter 12. There's Moses. There's Miriam, a prophetess. And there's Aaron, the high priest. Spiritual people. 
listen to their conversation. Let me read to you the conversation that goes on between Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron begin to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Let me take apart this passage just for a moment. That statement by God, inspired in the word, says that Moses was more humble than any man at that time, more meek. I take that to mean that Moses didn't defend himself. He left it in God's hands. But here's his sister, here's his brother, and they look for a kink in the armor, a Cushite wife. God lifts their religious arguments, and he shows us the real motive. It's covetousness. They're coveting Moses. Listen very carefully to the words. Miriam, Aaron, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Well, yes, Miriam, he has. Yes, Aaron, he has. God's displeased. He listens, and then he comes and talks to them. And says, I deal differently with Moses than I have with you. And Miriam is smitten with leprosy. God judges her. Covetousness causes us to be critical, causes conflict, creates controversy. It impacts our relations in the home, in the church, at business, everywhere. Not only does it impact our relationship with others, it impacts our relationship with ourselves. And James again, do they not come from your cravings that war within you? That war within you. What happens is inside, a person begins to, when they're coveting, they say, you know, why has God blessed them like that? Hasn't blessed me like that. Why has God treated them like this? Hasn't treated me like this. And they're a walking civil war. Discontent. Disconcerted. Because a coveting spirit is inside of them. See, God is concerned that we don't get caught up in the spirit of the world, consumerism and materialism, always wanting more and more and more. What happens is it chokes the word of God inside of us. Uh, Dr. Russell Conwell gave his life to the ministry, and he was instrumental, really, in forming Temple University in Philadelphia. He would go around the world raising money, and he raised millions of dollars for that university to establish it. And in all 6,000 or so of his lectures, he would tell a story, Acres of Diamonds. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. 
There's more to come from Pastor Ed's in-depth study of the Ten Commandments. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Ten Commandments right here on Voice of Faith.